This is Pastoring Out Loud, podcast for Bethlehem's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. If you're interested in learning more about our church, go to Bethlehem.church forward slash south. So today is Wednesday, May 25th. Um, our plan is to release this, I think, on Tuesday, the 31st. And uh, a couple things have happened recently in our nation. And we wanted to do a podcast that didn't really necessarily directly address them and talk about them, but more uh, background and thinking in terms of just how do we as Christians think about things. So the two things that we've been thinking about is first, the there was the Southern Baptist Convention. There was a, a report released on the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention and um allegations of sexual abuse and cover-up. And the second thing that just happened yesterday was shooting in Texas. Um, I think if I read it correctly, 21 people, 18 kids, three adults um, were murdered. And those things are heavy on a number of levels. And so we thought we'd actually do an episode uh, on when um, the image of God in man is disregarded. I mean, evilly so, like wickedly so. Um, and because in the nature of um, sexual abuse, um, especially sexual abuse by those that name the Lord as um, their Lord, and then here in this instance of um, the murder of uh, 18 children um, and three adults, that there is um, a wickedness and a vileness to this that is almost like seizing and freezing for you if you let the weight of it just lay on you, um, which is totally natural, totally natural response. So we got Stacy, Nick, and Dave here. Guys, thanks for joining us on, joining me on the podcast. Um, so just right away, what are some biblical texts that come to mind that might be appropriate to put on the lips of God's people and in our minds when we think about uh, when wickedness, um, you know, seeks to seeks to squelch, destroy the image of God, what are what are some things that come to mind? Yeah, my, one of my uh, one of my go tos when I'm feeling this heaviness is Psalm 10. Again, the Psalms are so helpful because they so often encapsulate how we're feeling right. <laughs> and they're, they're able to have, you know, put words to what we're feeling. And, uh, so Psalm 10, uh, the first 11 verses, uh, let's read verse one cause it gets kind of right at where this, this person's heart is, which is how we can feel. So Psalm 10, one, why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? So we can, we can feel that, you know, we can feel like, man, how did this, how did this happen? <laughs> Where were you? Um, why did you let this happen? And um, w- what's going on in all this? And then the next, you know, until verse 11, it's really the psalmist describing in pretty detailed ways like the ugliness and the haughtiness and the wickedness and the disregard that this this evil perpetrator has for those they sin against, those they devour, those they destroy, those they um, 
kind of do away with completely. And so you get this picture of, man, this is really, really evil. And God, where were you? Where are you? Uh, is the psalmist's heart. So, I mean, I just want to point to the reality that uh, in the Bible, in scripture, those feelings are represented. And that's really, that's really helpful. So our, our emotions and our immediate thoughts are not to be done away with. You know, I always tell people our emotions, they, they can't rule us. They can't, um, they can't be what makes us make decisions, but they're a really good pointer to what's going on in our hearts. Yeah. And, and here we have just, I think, a natural reaction in the human, in, in the human heart that loves the image of God. <laughs> so as we see people made in the image of God, with eternal worth and value as we, you know, as, as we look at our own kids playing out in the yard and putting them to bed and tickling them on the floor as we, you know, we, I mean, all these things. And we hear of, you know, like you said, 18 or 19 children uh, murdered. It should evoke something in us. And so it's helpful to see that and, and, and begin to get this category of the weight of lament. And then the reason I left Psalm 10, and I'm just going to to read verses 12 through 18, is it helps me then know, I guess, what to do with that. Um, I don't want to distance myself from God. I don't want to uh, continue to push him away and to say, where are you? I want to I draw near to God. If I draw near to God, he'll draw near to me. That's a promise. And and so I want I want to be a, a Christian that's faithful in my lament. And when I say lament, I mean deeply and appropriately grieved over the, the weight of sin, the weight of sexual abuse, um, the weight of children and teachers being murdered. Um, and I want to be filled with hope that I have a big God who still is on his throne and reigning. So I'm just going to read verses 12 to 18, then I'll stop talking. It says, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, You will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. You, to you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evil doer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that the man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. And so there's this lament of the bigness of God, of his reign, and of the promise that he, he will bring about comfort and mercy and justice uh, wherever it's needed. He'll do it. And so I can cast my burden, my weight on him because he, he cares and he sees. Yeah. Other texts that come to mind? Well, just another comment on that one. Um, it can be tempting, and I think we see it a lot, when things like this happen, evil, uh, either outside the household of God or inside the household of God, it can be tempting to um, then turn your back on God like, you know, like Dave was talking about, or turn your back on the church or just give up on Christianity, you know, walk away. Um, and this psalm is just helpful because it gives us an example of what we are to do. And that's not turn away from God, not turn away from, you know, the household of faith, but turn to it. Yeah. 
for help and for comfort. And, and so I just, I think this is a really instructive example. I'm glad Dave brought it up because it's so common to be confronted with evil and to make that be the reason that people abandon faith. And it, doubts are natural, but God is there to tu- turn to, and his church is there to turn to, and Christ is the ultimate comforter. Stacy, anything come to mind? Well, a particular scripture didn't come to mind, but just it's helpful to be oriented to where are we in redemptive history. So if I think creation, fall, redemption, consummation, we're still in the period of the, you know, <laughs> we're not at the consummation yet. The new heavens, the new earth, when all tears are wiped away. And so um, even though redemption is happening and... Um, there's still sin in the world and evil and it's right to lament and grieve that. And at the same time, like Dave said, with, with hope though, that there is a King coming who is going to um, (laughs) erase evil and eradicate it and, um, and then wipe away all of our tears and bring healing completely and fully. So um, definitely as I was, hearing some of this news yesterday and Monday, I needed to kind of watch my own intake of news. And I didn't read all the details of the SBC report or the school shooting even, um, because I was feeling kind of weighed down by it, but instead prayed and, um, yeah, just bring it to him and ask for his help (laughs) hearing all these hard things. Another text that helps my heart orient is a text like Psalm 34. The background uh, for that psalm is David is, um, you know, fled essentially to the Philistines um, for refuge from his own people, and yet his life is still like continuously in danger from both internal to the people of God, Israel. There are people seeking to kill him, and then external to the people of God, the Philistines. There are people that are doubting his what's really happening, and they want to kill him. Um, And within that context, um, he says this. This is Psalm 34. I'll just read 34, 16 through 18. The entire context is really good. But David says, The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And realizing within the form of Hebrew poetry, it can't be super technical, but I think it's it's really interesting. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. There is a, a personal nature to God resisting evil. I think in part because the image of God is made in mankind that represents, I mean, this not technically, not actually the face of God. He's a spirit, but uh, Jesus Christ is the true image of God we see in the New Testament. So when you go about destroying the image of God, take your pick, unborn, fourth grade, um, the African-American, you know, seniors that were murdered by a white supremacist um, not not long ago, 
all of those are in, they're instances of the image of God is being snuffed out. And that is particularly pernicious, like of hell belongs in hell. Mm-hmm. What's additionally grieving, and I think this goes back to what your comment was, Nick, like don't, don't check out of the household of God, the church, turn your back on God, is when the church provides some kind of cover for that, or in the case of the SBC report, when it's the church itself or leaders within the church that are doing it, and then the church is providing cover for it or making excuses for, you know, take your pick, um, you know, either in that instance or in the violent instances, that becomes really hard to integrate. These are the people that are speaking the word of the gospel and at the same time they're doing this other thing, which just speaks to, I think, honestly, the nature of sin. The nature of sin is it divides our hearts and our minds into different spaces where sin cultivated over a long period of time can mean that somebody looks like a a fine upstanding person, but they're on the internet imbibing, you know, radical ideas late into the night and they turn 18 and they buy a gun or somebody goes and heralds the word of God but then they're cultivating this private sin. And it's just a word to all of us. Sin doesn't stop. (coughs) Sin keeps encroaching. Sin keeps Mm -hmm. um, pushing into the rest of life, even though it divides the mind. The mind doesn't stay divided. Um, And the only answer is the grace of God intervening Mm -hmm. in some sense. So, I mean... Dave, you spoke to this some, but perhaps just speak more anyone to if we're feeling particularly weighed down by any of this that's taken place, the murders in Pennsylvania, um, you know, racially motivated. Uh, we don't know why these murders were motivated entirely um, in Texas. The, you know, the SBC report and clergy sex abuse, which has long been in the news. Um, well, like, what what should we do? Where's where do we take our weight, and how do we process it? You know, speak more to that. Yeah, I mean, another text I was just thinking about, and I go to often is um, Stacy hit on this well to say that there's a um, an unfortunate normalcy <laughs> to the to the reality of sin. Uh, that makes it, you know, sin and suffering uh, that make us groan because sin and suffering are interchangeable and intertwined in so many ways that sometimes it's even hard to understand, but it's just kind of there all the time. Um, and a, a text I go to that's helpful because it is so normal like, and it's normal so you can get like really resigned <laughs> or really jaded, um, you know, but to cry out to the Lord. But I, I think Romans 8 has always been helpful for me. Uh, so I'm just going to read verses 22 to um, 26. And here's what it says. It says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning in the pain, groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, 
who have the first fruits, right. groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, the hope of the redemption of our bodies. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. In verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. So uh, what I would say is, uh, the reason it's helpful is it orients my heart to go, <laughs> again, this groaning is right. <laughs> this, is a, this is a right groaning. Uh, I'm, I'm looking around and I'm seeing the brokenness everywhere. Uh, I mean, I'm, I just even, man, even last week in our worship service, you know, Nick led us in the song, Lay It All Down. And I, I think I went through a list of 14 things. <laughs> I mean, as I'm, as I'm worshiping, like, I just got to, I got to lay it down. I got to lay it down. You know, my heart's groaning and I, I got to lay it down. And um, and it reminds me of this, it's, a, it's proper to groan, but this is a temporary groaning. This is, this is not an eternal groaning. He's going to come back. And I think that the reason that Paul here talks about the redemption of our bo- our bodies is that he's giving us an anthropology that's extremely hopeful tied to the image of God. Right. And he's going uh, all the suffering uh, that we experience in this life as embodied souls happens in our bodies. All the sins are committed in our bodies. All the suffering is experienced in our bodies and he's going there's a day coming where your bodies <laughs> are going to be redeemed. Uh, it's going to all be new. Uh, no more suffering, no more sin. You won't commit any more sin. You won't experience any more suffering. And right now, you probably can't even imagine what that's going to be like. So hope for it. And when you can't pray because you're out of energy or you're too burdened to pray, it's okay. I'll even take care of that for you. The Spirit will pray on your behalf according to the will of God when you don't know what to pray. And so just this encouragement of this groaning's right, it's not forever, and the reason I have the Holy Spirit, God himself dwelling inside me, is to keep me, even when I have no idea what to pray for. I mean, how, how gracious of him to, you know, you don't have to pray the right thing. <laughs> you don't even have to know what to pray. You can be at the end of your rope and just go, I got nothing, and he goes, okay, well, I'll pray for you. I got you, I'll keep you. Um, which is tied to the earlier verses where we just cry out, Abba, Father, right? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, um, provided we suffer with him in order that we might be glorified with him. Yeah. Yeah, and I was just thinking about, you know, your question, where do we go with the heaviness? <clears throat> and you mentioned in that Psalm that you read, Daniel, where to those who do evil, the Lord's face is against them. And yet the hope of the gospel is that those who turn to him in faith, his face is then turned toward them, you know, and in, in grace and in mercy. And so the hope of the gospel is that you can't out sin the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, hopeful for us because when we read these horrific examples of sin in the news, I mean, these are extreme, but we all have mm-hmm. the same flesh in our hearts, the same propensities and the same ability as humans to get to those really dark places. By God's grace, you know, we many of us don't get there, but it's in our hearts. And so what do we do? We turn in faith and the hope of the gospel is that there is hope 
to be united to Christ and for God's face then to be turned toward you in grace and love and blessing. And we can't, we just can't let go of that. I mean, that is the thing that keeps us going (laughs) in life. And in terms of how it keeps us going, it orients us around who God is, who people are, and it gives us under the power of the Holy Spirit, marching orders, Mm -hmm. marching orders to be faithful in terms of what we're advocating for, what we see as right in the world, marching orders for, um, you know, what does God require of you, but to do justice, love mercy and walk humbly Mm -hmm. with your God in all these various areas. Um, and not like a, what is sometimes the charge, like, oh, you know, justification by faith alone or this kind of salvation the gospel provides is a way of checking out of this world. It's exactly the opposite. It, it is a way to live faithfully as a kingdom-minded citizen while still being a citizen of a kingdom here on earth. So, anything else that you guys would say about this topic anywhere? Anywhere to uh, take this conversation? I mean, the only other thing I'd say is if you're out there and you know you're 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 caught in hidden sin, man, I'd love for you to get help. Um, we'd love to help you. Love to find ways to help you. If you're out there and you're you've got past hurts that, as you hear news like this, it brings to bear. Uh, there's there's all sorts of confidential ways you can get a hold of us and we'd love to connect you with help too. Just realizing that these kinds of things bring about all sorts of hard memories and all sorts of painful things that sometimes you feel like you got to bear alone and we want to, we've got ways to walk with you and we'd love to do that if it's, if it's helpful. Yeah. And I think the reality is, is as especially you hear of um, you know, sexual abuse scandals in the church, it lessens just, just across society, um, trust in any clergy, yeah. right? And so we realize that that's also a category that somebody listening to this might feel too. Like, mm-hmm. can I genuinely trust those given charge over my soul? And my answer, um, I mean, here I am, one of those, together with others of those for whom that's the case, is um, we are sinners saved by grace, also in the same position, like all of this advice and like talking about this is like for us too. Like this, this weightiness and this need to pursue Jesus and to turn continually to the gospel and remind that God's face is turned towards us in the face of Jesus Christ is for us too. So not as experts, not as uh, anything along those lines, but as other beggars also seeking bread. Um, you know, we realize that though, um, you might not particularly want to come to those in the church. Um, we're still praying and we still care deeply. So I think that's an appropriate spot to end for now. And uh, yeah, uh, again, uh, to this podcast is oriented towards people at South Campus and other people may, may be listening in. Um, but we, uh, the leaders at this church, deeply care. And uh, we long for the day when Jesus comes and makes everything right together with you while we wait. We want to be faithful together with you in these ways.